Well, good morning, mamas. I hope that you are doing great. It is Thursday morning. I am late posting this week, but we have been on vacation to Florida and I'm up super early, which is why my voice sounds like this, Uh, but it is the vacation recovery and just kind of getting the gears back in motion. And so um, I hope you enjoyed last episode with Casey Rainey and all of her wisdom on mission work and all the things. It was so awesome. Today I am sharing a episode, an episode uh, with my friend Megan Chafee. Megan and I met at church when Jeff and I lived in Indianapolis, and she just has such a cool story about how the Lord has used her and used her story and brought her into motherhood in avenues that she did not expect. And so I love her wisdom and her candor and just her love um, for the Lord and how he works out our journeys in ways that we don't often expect. So as always, thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan Podcast. Well, good morning, Megan. How are you? I'm oh, I'm doing so great today. It's finally sunny here in the Midwest, so I'm thrilled about that. It is sunny um, here too, and I'm super thankful for that. I'm yes. over cold. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's like we had a wonderful April, and then May like just came in and wreaked havoc on us. Right? It was so bizarre. It was like winter. Said I'm not done. I'm just kidding, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm coming back. You can't plant any flowers or have any fun. Right? Exactly. I know some of our neighbors planted some things, and then you see them out there the night before with, like, Kroger bags, you know, trying to <laughs> cover up the blooms. <laughs> trying to cover them up. I actually, after this, I'm going to, I asked my husband, I'm like, can I finally go buy some flowers? He's like, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking forward to adding some color. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I'm super excited to chat with you today and share a little bit about your story um, Megan and I know each other from the time Jeff and I spent in Indiana, and we were up there for seven years and attended um, Northview Church up there, and that's how we got connected to Megan in like the childcare ministry and stuff. And so, um, really sweet and special family, and she just has such a cool story um, about her journey into motherhood. And so, um, can you just kind of start us out by telling listeners a little about you know who you are and your family? Yeah, of course. Uh, So I have a husband, his name is Kyle, and we've been married for 11 and a half years. Um, We went to the same high school, but never really ran in the same circle. Mm. And when he was um, actually wrapping up high school, he was in the end of his junior year, his family adopted a 10 month old. So they were about to be empty nesters. And they're like, you know what we should do? We should start all over. Wow. Uh, So they did. And they brought home this just darling little girl. Uh, Her name is Macy, and she is 19 now. Um, And then also in the midst of in in the midst of that, while he was in college, they adopted again, um, but a seven year old. And so their girls are actually six months apart. And so I was working at our um, local one of our local churches there, um, volunteering, and they were in my small group. And so I got to connect with his sister. Really, just. It was almost like right when she um, walked off the plane, she was just, you know, going to church. And mm-hmm. that's really kind of where he noticed me, he said. Um, so it it helped that we kind of knew each other's family and that kind of stuff. So sure. we so close um, and just got to know each other. And it was it was pretty quick there. Um, so even on our first date, we talked about adoption. We mm-hmm. had our first date at a Starbucks. And my dad is adopted. 
and um he has you know his two sisters that are adopted so we're like yeah we want to adopt and we weren't really including each other in you know like let's adopt together but he said he pretty much knew at that on our first date that we were going to end up together so um, cool so over the yeah it was it was it was cool he's kind of like the like super kind jock like super popular and like <laughs> just a little bit aloof like he didn't know it so I was like I don't is this like a pity date or um yeah but it was it was fun he's just he's amazing um so yeah over the years we have adopted two girls since then um we have our daughter Zola who is eight and a half and she is from Ethiopia and then uh we have our daughter Violet who is adopted from China who is uh, seven um so yeah it's just it's been a journey for sure Way cool. I I remember um, following you on Facebook and seeing you've shared a lot about your journey very transparently as far as like, it's not always rainbows and butterflies and there's a lot, you know, going on. And I remember seeing the one video, I think when you guys brought Violet home and just how sweet that was and people meeting you at the airport and all of that. But um I guess talk a little bit about what led you guys to adoption, like what that process looked like. And was that something that once you guys got married, you really just kind of stepped into or what did that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think we lived in a bit of a fairy tale land, you know, as far as our thought process, like, oh, let's, you know, be married for a year or two and then try to have a baby naturally. And then, you know, adoption was always, it was never a like, maybe we'll adopt. It was like, we will adopt. It just depends on when. Um, and so, you know, we waited for a year and then we're like, yeah, let's try. Uh, and there was a laundry list of things that ended up kind of just, um, unraveling with, with our story kind of, and I would say we went down the infertility path, you know, we saw some doctors and things like that. Um, we did not, we never pursued any treatments and that is just what we felt best for our family um the likelihood of me ever being able to be pregnant was so slim that we were like you know let's like we want to adopt um it was on my 20 my husband's 27th birthday after a procedure and I was like so we're adopting he was like um you're only 25 and I'm like right let's let's get this ball rolling yeah um yeah so we just I just started with google to be honest and uh, Africa had always just pulled at my heartstrings for a really long time and so I just I just did some searching as far as where we could adopt from uh that was a that was a big part for us because we were so young and we had been married for such a a short amount of time yeah um so it was an easy I think an easy transition for us to um feel like this is this is the route we're going to take and we did choose international we wanted a little bit more finality with our first adoption um you know I think we had to grieve a little bit as far as not being able to become pregnant I think you know I envisioned being pregnant and and wanted that and he's like I would have loved to see you be pregnant but Mm -hmm. he was also you know I didn't have to convince him which felt just I think it also helped it just know that we were making the right choice Mm -hmm. um and it was for us it was an easy an easy decision to mm-hmm. to start pursuing that. So that was July of 2011 uh when we pursued we started doing some paperwork and things like that uh for Ethiopia. And it took us about it was two just over 2 years from starting paperwork to coming home. Wow. Um and she was yeah, she was 10 months old. It was the day after her 10 month birthday that we found out we got to travel and finally bring her home. Um 
I don't know. I don't know. I went to bed that night thinking, I think we're going to wake up in the morning and it's going to be the day that we find out. Um, cause we had visited her and we had to come home for six weeks without her. Mm. Uh, oh, that was heart wrenching. Um, and it was, it was that morning and, um, uh, he jumped out of bed cause Ethiopia is ahead of us. So we get the, the early morning email and he's like, it's time we get to go. Oh, so cool. Uh, so cool. Yeah. And so yeah. what was that? I cannot imagine, you know, Africa. And so the, the process looked like you guys found an agency, obviously, and then mm-hmm. got connected. But what did that timeline look like? Did you make multiple trips back and forth or just the one time and then you had to go through that waiting period? Yeah, um, we we did do multiple trips. So we started like that paperwork, you know, July of 2011. And then March of 2013, we got matched with her. And so that's when they send over, it's like the big referral date and they send over the picture and he was in Cincinnati. He did a lot of work over there and he always had his phone. And so I get a phone call from our agency and, um, they said, you might want to get your husband on the phone. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. 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 It's the day we're doing it. It was March 21st, Mm. which I'll come back to that because it's a really cool date, um, for our family. But Um, I called him and called him and called him. (laughs) I took a screenshot. I think I called him 11 times and he did not answer. And I'm like, what are the odds that this man is not like, surely he would know if I'm calling him over and over. So, um, I had never, I had met one of his coworkers, but never met like his wife or anything. And I legitimately white paged that girl and I called their home phone. I don't know why they had a home phone. And I was like, (laughs) hi, uh, you don't know me. I'm pretty sure your husband's fine. But can you call him? Because I need to know where my husband is, Kyle, because we just got matched. She's like, no way. She's like known all about our story. Oh, and our journey. so I'm cool. Like, this strange, strange lady had no clue. You know, she found out before anybody else. Right. Um, yeah. So finally we got him on the phone and we all got to chat and open her picture and all that kind of stuff. So, cool. so then, um, yeah, it was, it was so fun. Just such a fun day to like, it kind of felt like a little bit of like our pregnancy announcement. Cause I yeah. called my mom and I'm like, are you ready to be a grandma? And, you know, and she freaks out and, um, it just, it was some of those moments. I think that when you are pregnant, like you get to tell people you're pregnant, find mm-hmm. out what gender you're having. And, you know, we missed out on some of those things, uh, but we got to create different ones that were just so fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then in June is when we traveled the first time. So we traveled about mid June of 2013 spent a week so we would spend like the morning with her and then we got to go experience the Ethiopian culture and go to Mm. museums and eat their food and meet the people um and just see what it was about and we loved every minute of it uh loved of course every minute of being with her and then also getting to experience her culture to just speak so positively with her as she is growing up um because we got to experience you know a sliver of it of course but uh and then we came home a week later uh, and that was really hard. We cried Yeah. <laughs> from leaving the orphanage all the way to the hotel and then all the way to the airport and at the airport. And we're like, how are we leaving her? But it just, they didn't know how long there's like embassy and visas and all this back end stuff that you just don't know how long it will sure. take. Um, because you know, they can lose power or somebody's out of the office or, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it's a different, it is just a different world over there. Um, but it only took us six weeks. And so we got to travel back early August and spent just three days. It was really fast trip because it was about to be the rainy season. (laughs) So our flight or, um, 
travel agency was like, would you like to stay for three days or two weeks? And we're oh, like, wow. mm, we're going to go three days if we can. <laughs> We'd love to come home. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a fast trip and then, and then we got to come home. So yeah. not a lot of trips, but two, two trips, yeah. and very long flights, but yeah, we do it, of sure. course, all over again. <laughs> for sure. How was yeah. that leaving with her? You know, I feel like it's as a parent, you know, you're connecting, you're bonding and all this, but she was only 10 months old. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. How, how was that experience of, was she, did she remember you guys when you went back or like, was she, was she sad to leave? Do you think, or how was just that journey home? Yeah. That's, that's, I love that question. You know, I think even on our first visit, of course, she was like, I don't know who you are. Why are you picking me up? Sure. Um, and we actually saw her progress even that first week that we were there because we would come back every single day. I love that. And it's almost like you can see her get excited. Like, Aww. oh, they're coming back again for me? Um, because we just did lots of, like, tummy time and um, no, like, skin to skin because that would be inappropriate in an orphanage. But just, right. you know, she, we would have her lay on our chest and on our lap and just you know, all of, all of those personal things that, you know, she, she missed out on in the beginning as far as connection, connecting and bonding. Uh, when we landed in Ethiopia for our second trip to pick her up finally and bring her home with us, um, the poor baby, we got there on a Sunday and we were told we couldn't pick her up until Monday because there was not an English speaking nanny on Sundays. And we were like, yeah, totally fine. Well, you know, we can catch up on sleep and we landed and they're like, are you ready? And we're like, well, yeah, I mean, of course we're we're not going to say no. Um, and so sweet girl, she was asleep and it was Mm. kind of like, they just like woke her up and changed her clothes and handed her over to us. So she was, she was nervous. Like she held onto this like piece of paper. It was like what she ate and how much she slept, mm-hmm. just some like basic information. And then, um, she just would like, she was like kind of pinching my neck, like just kind of like almost like playing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just nervous. Um, but it was, you know, she'd never really been in a vehicle and, yeah. um, it changed quickly. I mean, I think for her eventually, you know, I don't know, maybe something she was like, Oh, these people are back. Um, you know, and we left our picture by her. We made a little poster and left it by her bed. Um, so that if she could see it, she could see our faces. Um, but I feel like she relaxed quite quickly, um, especially even after that first night. Yeah. 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 So fast forward now to little, little Miss Violet who came home a few years later. Yes. Yep. So, um, uh, they're like, they're like, yes. Okay. Sorry. I was thinking in my head. So Violet, Violet will be home four years in June and Zola ha- will be home um, four years in August. So yep. Vi- Zola was four when Violet came home. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. the age difference between my two kids. And I feel like that that's super helpful because at four, they were like out of diapers, able to help with things. Like there was just a good, like four years was a really good <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. Between there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, what, how did that experience differ? And, and was there a connection to China? I know you said Africa had kind of always been on your heart. Um, mm-hmm. what was that connection to China? Well, I mean, I think the, I think the big connection was Kyle, um, and his family just mm-hmm. having uh, his two sisters from China and he, he traveled when they adopted their second daughter, Okay, he traveled with them. And so, you know, he got to experience China and experience, um, the adoption piece and, and all of that. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. International adoption is unfortunately just, it's getting smaller and smaller. Um, mm-hmm. it's not impossible by any stretch, but it's, it's not as 
it's not as widely, um, the numbers are just not as high as they used to be. Yeah. Uh, just different countries are changing and, um, you know, some, of, some of it is a great thing, right? They're, they're introducing foster care systems, um, which I think is different the, than stateside. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, there, there is something to be said. I'm so blessed and happy with how we've built our family, but you know, there will be pieces that both of my girls miss by not being, um, completely submerged in their culture. Sure. Um, and you know, for some cultures that's really, really important. And I think it's great that some countries are, are starting to, to open that piece up and, mm-hmm. and keep families, um, you know, growing in their own countries, but yeah. all that to be said. Yeah. I mean, I think China was on my list as well. Uh, you just, you both have to be 30 to be able to adopt. So we knew okay. we had some time to, we had to wait in essence. We just really had to wait to adopt from China um, and actually, we pursued a domestic adoption before China because we both weren't old enough yet. Um, and we really wanted an, um, another um, African-American child in our mm-hmm. home. And that's what we were pursuing. And it just it didn't work out. It was potentially not the right agency. Um, and, you know, just that's just not where we were led. It, it was not our end. Our end space was supposed to be Violet. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's. I think that was our, our big pull towards China. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So sweet. She is just precious. Um, I love your videos <laughs> and all her pictures and all of that. She looks like she just has such a personality. Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so with her adoption and she has some special needs and mm-hmm. you mentioned that you're also homeschooling, take us, take us through that. Um, you know, your journey to motherhood and even just in talking to you, I feel like there's such a a lightness and a joy of just like, yeah, that just didn't work out. And so we moved on and, um, I'm sure there've been chapters of really hard and you've shared some of that too. Um, but just in listening to you talk, um, it just feels like there's a level of trust there of like, this is going to work out and it's going to be taken care of. And so talk to us a little bit just about that mentally, how that's kind of been for you. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, um, I always thought I just wanted to be pregnant. And I remember being really angry with God, like Mm. I thought you were supposed to give us the desires of our heart. Like I'm doing all the right things. We go to church and I pray and we tie, you know, like all these things, right. I'm checking off these boxes and it took me a little while. And, um, actually in 2013 also I had a hysterectomy and so there is this finality of it will never possibly happen or maybe like it will never happen I will never become pregnant uh and you know it took it took Zola being home of course that God did give me the desires of my heart it was to be a mom and not that it is not so hard and not that I don't cry some days and think, what were we thinking? This is so <laughs> challenging. Um, and, and I'm sure anyone who has a biological kid thinks the same. Why did totally. we want more than one? Why did we want more than two? This yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, I feel like it's okay to have those feelings and those thoughts and emotions and, you know, don't live in that space, but it's okay to have them and let them like kind of fleet through your mind because, you know, I, I think it's like, you should want babies and it's wonderful and beautiful. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't talk about those hard moments for moms, Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, that's what it was. I I think that 
I was going to end up being a mom regardless of how of how that happened. I don't mm-hmm. know that I love my kids any differently than anybody else. Right. Um, I, I do all the same things for them, and um, Violet has Down syndrome. And so we were at Rosie's Cafe, which is a little cafe, a um, little breakfast place that my husband and I love here locally. And it was close to our anniversary, so we were having breakfast together and just talking about China. And uh, we had kind of pursued an agency and we're like, can we look at your waiting child list? Um, and those are typically the less desirable children, if you will. Um, and I don't like saying that because some people are like that, that's the only list I ever want to look at. Um, you know, and everybody has different comfort levels and what's going to work for their family and what's not. So there's no shame in choosing from that list or not, but, uh, we just fell in love with her and another little girl. And so we, um, asked about both of them and Violet's file was, um, was open and, and no one had had flagged her and pursued her quite yet. So we had some hoops to jump through. Um, but then the ball just kind of got rolling for her. And when my husband was, I think when he was around 10, he was in Florida on a family vacation and there was another family there that had a son with down syndrome. And mm-hmm. he said from that moment on, he just felt like in some capacity and it maybe wasn't going to be like his direct family, but like somewhere in his family, there was going to be a child with Down syndrome. Wow. And so that was kind of in his, just kind of like, I think in his heart and his mind. And I used to do therapy with kids on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think just have that heart and desire. And um, I don't know, we just, that our, our, our hearts were open, I think very mm-hmm. much so. Um, and so, yeah, we, we pursued her and she came home rather quickly. Um, I don't love sharing our timeline just because it was so quick in the adoption world, especially sure. international. But, um, I had done, you know, I had done some paperwork before and I just kind of put my head down and just got things done and not that other people don't and still don't hit that timeline. It just, her file was ready. There are a lot of things that were just in place. Yeah. Um, and, and God just showed up like, I know you, you know, you've been waiting again, but you know, here's, here's some quickness. And yeah. some of it took us by surprise. Like, Whoa, I don't know if I was expecting it so fast. Right. Um, yeah, but yeah. she was three and a half when she came home. Yeah. So it just, it was a, it was a very different uh, very different adoption. China was different. We didn't have that time to explore her culture. Kyle had, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but we were there for two weeks and then came home. So yeah. uh, we were away from Zola, and you know, there just were. It was China's just a different country. We were mm-hmm. very closed off and couldn't connect with our family, and um, you know that kind of thing. So I think, you know, just even coming home, it was it was a challenge. It is very easy to bond with a baby. Babies are adorable. And, you know, you can, you know, there's, there's different changing a little tiny baby bum and changing a three-year-old bum, even though Violet is very tiny. Um, you know, and she's three and a half. If anybody knows a three and a half year old, they're fiercely independent. Mm -hmm. They want to do stuff their own way. And, um, you know, to enter into a family and, yeah, I think even for Zola, she expected a playmate and that's not really, I think her expectations weren't fully met, you know, and having a playmate, it was, sure. it was very different, but she's also four. So what can, you know, what do uh-huh. you expect? That's, yeah. you know, different mindset. So, you know, there have been, there have been some, some challenging moments and hard moments. And then just last night, my husband and I got to have a quick date and we we're like, she just seems like she's in her element right now. She's like, she's, She's trying to communicate so much and she's just like, 
we were at a big doctor's appointment yesterday and she just was like schmoozing everyone and they're like, we'll take eight of her. She's so cute. And, um, yeah. So it's, you know, there's, of course there's been challenges. Um, yeah. 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 What would you say like are some of your, you know, biggest pieces of advice or encouragement if someone has that on their heart for adoption or they're in the middle of that process or they feel, you know, overwhelmed by all of it, but still there's something, you know, kind of there where they just keep going back to it. What kind of encouragement or advice or, you know, things that you've learned through the process would you share with them? I love that question. Um, you know, usually I will, I, I do still get plenty of messages, actually, people asking, you know, what countries are open and, sure. and you know, what do I, what do I do? Or, you know, I want to do it, but my husband's not ready. And I think in that regard, because I get that question most, so not to not answer your question, but I think, um, just keep praying about it and, um, just gently have conversations, you know, maybe it's the husband that wants to adopt and not the wife. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I I got to experience that actually with a close friend of mine. She always wanted to adopt and her husband's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure, you know, and it took quite a few years, just lots of prayer and, and gentle conversations and open conversations. Um, and she was patient. So I think if you keep coming back to it, um, just be patient and be open and gather information and not like shove it down anybody's throat or, rush into it. Um, but I, I feel like if, if it keeps coming back up, I would say, start pursuing, start asking questions, um, look at countries, look at domestic. I mean, I think just gather all the information so that you can make it the best decision for you and your family. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, have conversations with extended family. And that's something that we did with Violet because we knew it was going to be a big change for our family. And, we wanted to know that our family was also invested with us and willing to support us. Um, and, you know, of course there were reservations. It was a big life change for mm-hmm. sure. And, you know, there still are moments of that. So I think um, keep pursuing. And I mean, I, in this, in this regard, I'm, I'm an open book, right? If someone wants to reach out, if they hear this and have questions, like ask people that, you know, that have gone through it, um, spend some time with their kids, you know? And I yeah. think, yeah, just be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, how God can work on our hearts and things that we never thought would be something we would want to do. There's just a change, you know, it just, mm-hmm. there's things that just happen. So I love that. And I think it's important with, you know, patience because in the waiting, I'm sure you're learning. If you do end up going down that road of adoption, it is a patient process, you know, as far as like <laughs> yeah. just not knowing right and having what I would imagine is very little control over timelines and things like what you were saying. So even in the waiting, it's like God is teaching, you're going to need to be patient now and later. So I'm preparing you, you know, for that. So I love that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. And I think lean on your partner too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there would be moments that I'm like, I can't, we can't do it anymore. We should just give up. And my husband's like, nope, we've got this. We can do it. You know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, a couple months would pass and he's like, Oh my gosh, can we keep waiting? What do we, should we change? Should we do this? And I'm like, Nope, we got this. And you know, that was just, yes. Like you said, patience, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll prep you for, for the years to come for sure. But, um, and, and maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's, 
a good friend that's also been through it. I think finding that support, no matter what, um, if, if you're in that waiting of waiting to see if you can adopt or in the process of adopting, finding that support is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and also fun. Just, I feel like I have so many connections to people that have adopted and people in the Down syndrome world. Um, so I say, I, I would also highly suggest getting connected to people. Yeah. Um, Cause that is just, it's critical mm -hmm. in the conversations or yeah, you just, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fascinating. Never, never something I could have imagined. Sure. Well, and it's just, you know, community is so important. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of times as moms, uh, parents in general, marriage, you, you can feel alone. You can feel isolated. You can feel like nobody understands and get this. Um, but the reality is I think we all go through those hard chapters. We all struggle. And I have just found so much comfort in just being in community and being able to share. And when I'm doing great, I can be the encourager. And when I'm not doing great, I can glean from, from that, you know. So I just think that that's so, so important. You mentioned that people reach out to you to know, like, what countries are open. So do you still volunteer in some kind of capacity with international adoption? Uh, no. I, I mean, I'll volunteer my time if someone's interested in asking questions. Um, I start, I do try to just kind of stay in the know because I am passionate about adoption. Sure. Um, I think it's, I think it's wonderful, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't volunteer in any, um, adoption worlds per se as, you know, as far as anything like that, but I had a friend recently reach out. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get on Google and check myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it, it's ever changing. And I let her know that and, you know, COVID who knows, I don't sure. know how that has has changed some countries um, and some countries weren't listed that I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're open. So do some research, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, well, I know you yeah. talked a lot about your marriage and, you know, leaning on each other and you mentioned that you got a date night in and I, you know, my husband and I are very passionate about marriage because we feel like that that is really the foundation for our kids, right? It's Christ and then mm -hmm. us. And so mm -hmm. we need to have a strong relationship in order to be good parents for them. So um, can you talk a little bit about how you and Kyle do that? What's important to you? Um, communication lessons you've learned or just anything you think might be helpful? Oh, for sure. Yeah, marriage, absolutely. And, you know, we have always said that, like, someday our kids are going to grow up. This was before Violet coming home. Like, our kids are going to grow up, and we still need to like each other when they yeah. get out of our house, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't I don't, I don't, don't want to fall out of love because we made our whole life about our kids. Mm -hmm. um, and our kids are important for sure. So, you know, pre, pre-Violet, for sure, we would probably, you know, we'd do some, like, overnight dates even. And I think sometimes people can shy away from that. But I will also say, when I look back on my childhood, my parents were divorced. But mm -hmm. there were, you know, over the summer, I would go, like, spend a week with each of my grandmas. And those are going to be times and memories that I will never forget. And our hope is that we get to have that opportunity for us to connect, but also for like our parents to have those moments with our girls to create those memories. And we want, we want our kids to also have that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I think, you know, if your parents are able and you know, have a conversation with them because it's, it's going to help your marriage, but it's also going to help your kids have awesome memories too. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, and something else we used to do, again, a little bit pre-COVID, I think we're going to probably hop back into it, but every other week we found another couple that we're super great friends with, and all of us would put our kids to bed, and then I would drive to their house, so Kai would stay here so our kids could sleep, and I would drive to their house and just sit in their house, and I would take a book or watch a TV show or do whatever I wanted to, so it's kind of like downtime for mom out of my own house, and then they would go have a date, Love and then it. the next week we would all put our kids to bed and she would come sit in our house and we would go have a date. So it's kind of like free childcare. Mm-hmm. It was later in the evenings in the middle of the week when we could all make it work. Um, and it, we loved doing that. So I feel like if you have another couple mm-hmm. that you're close to and you know, their kids are not, I mean, what work that out. But I mean, our kids are all in bed. It was easy, easy option. And then, you know, we got to connect afterwards and stuff like that with our friends. So totally. I love that. We have a couple that lives four houses down from us and we do date night swaps. So it's similar. We take the kids over and they keep our kids while we have a date night. And then the next night or the next weekend or sometimes two weekends, uh, we will take their kids while they have a date night. And that has just helped take the burden of childcare mm-hmm. financially off, yes. you know, because I mean, what used to be a $50 date night can quickly turn into a $100 date night when you have to add childcare for a couple kiddos. So yeah, I think Absolutely. that is excellent wisdom and something that we have, have definitely enjoyed as well. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah, I think communicating with your kids, too. You know, I think especially for our oldest um, who, you know, have kids in their class and their parents are divorced or, yeah. you know, she, she will bring things up. Right. And so it, it's a great conversation. And we tell her that um, actually last night, you know, we got to have a little bit of a date night. And I said, hey, I'm going to not put you to bed at your grandparents' house because I think dad and I are going to go have a date. And she's like, awesome. Have a great time mm. because we've told her like. We love you. We want to spend time with you. But mom and dad also love each other. And we want to spend time with each other, too, outside of our house. It's different. She's like, oh, like when we go get ice cream, it's way more fun than eating ice cream at home. I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think just I think including your kids so that they know why you're not pushing them away. You are building into, you know, mom and dad time so that you can still have parent and kid time too. Mm-hmm. So I think include them so that they can see that. And I think hopefully start building that foundation so they can take that into their marriage if they choose to get married and what that looks like, um, I think is important. I think that that is a really good point. Um, it, communicating with them on, you know, what's happening. Cause my, so I eight and four and the four-year-old will oftentimes be like, no, don't leave. You know, I want to go. Um, and you know, Elizabeth, our oldest, is very much quick to be like, they're going on a date, Mason. Like, they love each other, too. You know, I remember her being little, and she would say things to us like, you guys need to kiss. And we would be like, what? And she would like, you guys need to kiss each other. That's how you stay married. And so, you know, it's funny what they pick up on. But I think one of the things that I have learned in my adult life is that for me as a parent, as a spouse, um, as a friend, it's so much easier for me to replicate what I've seen um, Mm -hmm. than it is to try and implement something I never saw. Um, That's been a huge aha for me in the past 18 months or so. And so I think that just such a good point to let your kids see that because those are the things that will be 
you know, much easier for them to have as habits in their life when they are, are older, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit um, as we kind of start to wrap up, but about your work with Noonday. I know I'm always seeing you post jewelry and totes and all of that. And I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about that organization, um, but would love to hear about it and about your work there. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Noonday Collection started, good gracious, they we celebrated 10 years. So I think it's been about 11 years. Um, so there is a gal named Jessica Honiger. She is a co-founder. And then um, Travis Wilson is also a co-founder. And so um, Travis used to live in Mozambique and would do these micro loans to um, just like different businesses that needed that um, there when he was on the ground with his family doing the work. And then Jessica was just a world traveler, just loves culture, um, lived in Guatemala for a while. Um, and so they kind of came together with this idea of partnering with artisans in different countries that have these amazing skills and they can create these beautiful things out of just uh, pieces that they find in their own country. And so mm -hmm. that is the big piece of it is, you know, if we, we have a partnership in Guatemala and so they'll create earrings or um, a bracelet or what have you. And it is out of these glass beads and it's been, a trade that has been passed down over generations, but then they're purchasing these beads from a group in Guatemala. And so they're, mm -hmm. it's like they're building into each other's economy already. And then uh, we in America, we're considered ambassadors. And so there is a staff in Texas, but then we as ambassadors get to be the voices and the storytellers and the partners with them to be able to get their goods that they've created and uh, get to sell them here on stateside. And, you know, I think, a part that I love is that you can be having a little bit of like a hard day or whatever. And you like pop in some earrings or you throw on a necklace and you feel put together all of a sudden. And so it like brings this extra confidence level to women. And, you know, I think if you've heard the story, you get to like, Oh my gosh, like I'm wearing a piece of story that, you know, this group has come together and they're all moms or, you know, they have, um, you know, they've been, we work with a group in Ethiopia and they have tested positive for HIV. And so their family has mm. disowned them and they all live together, but they're all like rebuilding their lives and they are getting remarried and not passing HIV onto their kids because they are, are on the correct medicine. Wow. Um, you know, just all these beautiful stories that we get to hear and share and then wear. And um, it actually, it was a big, I had heard about it before Zola had even come home, but then after she had come home, I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, man, that'd be so fun, and it could help us fundraise for our next adoption, and so that's yeah. really why I started, Okay, um, was just to be like an extra way to, to bring in some income, and I will say this community around us, I, every month I had a group of women, and each month they would just go around the circle and all host a trunk show every mm -hmm. single month and get like a percent would go back to our adoption. Um so it was, it's been really, it's been fun and beautiful and I've gotten to travel with it. So yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. If folks are interested in supporting that, like, do you have a website? Do you do things through social media or what's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, for sure. Well, they can, they're always welcome to reach out and ask questions, uh, things like that. But I do have like a personal website. So um, if you have show notes or we can shoot it out in any way, shape or form, uh, we can kind of send out that link mm-hmm. um, if anybody wants to shop. And, you know, if you want to do like an online trunk show or if you want to do something, you know, I'm in Indiana, so locally um, or, you know, there's there are ambassadors all over the United States. And so if you're like, I want to gather some girlfriends outside, you know, have, you know, just have some fun do something quote unquote normal, you know, outside right. or whatever on the back patio. Um, I could probably connect you to someone if I'm not local to you. Yeah. Um, and there's beautiful. yeah all sorts of fun host of it, hostess incentives and getting some free things and half off stuff. So that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. that story though, of just how that organization was created and that, you know, they're helping women in their countries rebuild their lives and all of that. I just think it's so great. It's so easy to run and buy jewelry from wherever. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's always an opportunity to look at the deeper purpose and, and impact, um, somewhere else. And so I think that that's just really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I, you know, my time's been split a little bit. Um, just like, like you said, we're homeschooling Mm -hmm. this year. Um, and then I'm also the board president for Judy's Playhouse here in Indianapolis. Oh, so cool. it's been fun to feel like I am, um, you know, super connected still to Zola's home country. You know, we partner with Ethiopia in that way. And she just loves just the whole thought process of, of all of it. Um, and then Judy's Playhouse offers free therapeutic programs mm-hmm. to anyone with Down syndrome. And so feeling connected in that way with Violet and just, you know, kind of, getting to kind of fill in that advocacy role. I think, yeah. um, yeah, it's been really fun to just kind of experience both. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. And I love that intentionality behind each of them, you know, having some intentionality behind things that are going to be reflective specifically for them. Um, that was kind of my last question is just what are, what are your hopes for your girls? You know, as you think mm-hmm. about how their lives are so different and how your life is so different, um, from just how God just crafted your family together. And, um, what are your hopes for them? Do you hope that they adopt? Do you pray that for them or what does that look like? Oh, yes. So for Zola, uh, you know, she, she already has her mindset, that girl, <laughs> So she's eight and a half and she's like, so I'm not having babies for my belly. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that will be a conversation we need to have, you know, with with a spouse or a potential spouse, because um, that's a really big decision. And not everybody is, not everybody wants to adopt. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know. It's a little hard to envision because our family has so much adoption. Um, But she's quite convinced. My husband and I have secret conversations where we're like, oh, I hope she does, you know, choose to get pregnant. If that's really, you know, if she feels led to do that, because we would love another little miniature Zola um, to be grandparents too, for sure. But hey, if if that, if she's just choosing adoption, we are a-okay with that too. Um, So you know, I don't know that I have a hope either way. I have a hope that she feels confident enough to choose the path that she wants and she can create that life. Um, I would love for her to step foot in Ethiopia. It's a goal of ours for sure. As she continues to grow up, um, and just to get to experience her country and culture. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think just give, creating opportunity for her and creating opportunity for Violet. So, you know, Violet's life is just going to look 
you know, vastly different than, than Zola's in so many ways. Um, but we hope that we do hope there are children involved in Zola's life so that we can watch Violet be a really awesome aunt. Sure. Uh, we think that we think she's going to like really fill that role really great. Mm. And, you know, Violet is, she is really smart and, um, fiercely independent and we hope that continues and we would love to see her be able to live on her own in some capacity if you know if if that's a safe choice for her uh because we think it could happen so you know uh, you know if secondary education is in her cards we would love to see that we I think honestly it is maybe less to do about my girls and more with the world that we can continue to open our eyes and we can continue to open our hearts to be accepting of all people. Um, you know, we kind of, we kind of live in the world of a different race and then we live in the world of having a child with a disability. And so our eyes are quite open and, um, I think it's less to do with our kids and more to do with the world and just knowing there is a place for Violet and she can do more than, um, I don't want to say just wipe a table because some t- there is a place for that. There are people yeah. and that is their capacity and they are fantastic at it. And that is their role. And there are other opportunities for more growth. Um, and so we just want that. We want opportunities for both mm. of them, not based on religion or ability or race. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think your heart is uniquely positioned to speak so much to that because it it is your family. It looks very different and that has to have opened your eyes up to so many things and your heart and just realizing our world is still very broken and, you know, still very lost in terms of, you know, how Christ sees all of us. So I can imagine that that has been both difficult and eye-opening for you. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we get lots of stares and looks and I think people try to like make a story in their head. It used to kind of bother me. Like, well, have they never seen like a black daughter and a white mom or, you know, an Asian daughter and a white, and I think they're just trying to like, wow, that's so interesting. Like, is it, sometimes I wonder if they're like, is that the nanny or the mom? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I'm, I'm really short. So I don't, I, I just feel like, um, but I'm like, you get closer and see all the wrinkles. Oh, that's Uh. (laughs) so fun. But I'm sure, you know, if anything, Megan, you know, seeing, you would cause people to just think like, look what a beautiful family. And in chat, mm-hmm. I would think in those moments to challenge maybe some limited beliefs there on what's possible or what family looks like. And I, I just love that. So yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. This has been great. Your story is so inspiring. I hope that if you're listening today and you're thinking about adoption or you feel like the Lord just keeps placing it on your heart, that you would know that there is, you know, options and opportunities and kids who need homes and all of those things. And that, you know, if that's something that continues to be on your heart, then it's definitely possible. And don't shut that down or shut it out. Be patient. Keep praying, as Megan said. Um, but yeah, but this was great. And I will um, post that link to share, um, you know, for your Noonday website if, if people want to support that. And you'll be able to, to connect with her once the episode posts. So but yeah. thanks so much, Megan. Oh, thank you so much. This was so fun. Well, I just love Megan. She's just such a gem. And I love that throughout her story, the message really is 
things aren't always perfect, right? They don't go as planned. They don't follow necessarily a certain path, but that doesn't mean that they don't have beautiful pieces and it doesn't mean that there's not a purpose in some of those painful moments or unexpected twists and turned turns and I just appreciate that reminder today so thanks for joining me for spending some time um, excited for summer I'm excited to share some fun things that my family is doing um, if you have not followed me on my personal page I've actually moved everything just to one channel as I have become a busy busier mom um, and also now a, a health coach and I'm still working full-time I just needed everything in one channel and so um, you can follow me at Nadia underscore Mills and that's my personal Instagram or just Nadia underscore Mills on Facebook um, that's where all of the memoirs from the minivan marketing and announcements about episodes and things will be found um, just so that I can keep all of that in one place and consistently um, engage with everybody. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please uh, drop a like, hit that button, hit subscribe, all the things that other much more talented podcasters tell you to do. Um, do all the things, share. We I want other mamas to know about this podcast because it was really created for them and to share their stories. And if you know of a mom who would be great to have as a guest, please let me know um, because I would love to reach out to her. So have a great day, evening, morning, week, weekend, whenever you've had a second to spend some time with me. I appreciate it so much and I hope that you were blessed by today's episode. So as always, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. Have a great day. Thank you.